Welcome to This Week with Lordship Community Church. I'm the Reverend Jeff Lukens, and I'm the pastor here. This week, we offer you a podcast in our series, What's Next, O God? Tending the New Creation. We worship live online each Sunday morning at thelordshipchurch.org slash live. Here's this week's scripture and message. Psalms. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. There are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them, full of honor and majesty in his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And from the Gospel of Mark, again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. The Pharisees watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Once again, good morning. Good to see you all. When I was a little girl, no older than six or so, at bedtime, my dad would sit in an old pink rocking chair in my bedroom with me and my little sister. The big light would be turned off, but he would always turn on the lamp that lived on the side table next to us and he would rock us. As he would rock back and forth, he would go through Bible memory verses that he had written on the backs of business cards. And when I got old enough to read, I would hold the cards in my small hands and I would wait until he either recited the verse by memory or asked me for a hint when he got stuck. 
I would laugh and tease when he couldn't remember the verses, and I would proudly read aloud with him the ones we knew by heart. Now, once we got back to the start of our verses for the night, we would pack them up in binder clips or rubber bands, and he would put me and my sister to bed. We would go through about a stack of these business cards every night, and he had six of them. And they slowly got bigger as he added new ones week by week. Even now, about two decades later, there are still sections of scripture that I hear in his voice when I read them. My dad's faithfulness in this thing energized and sustained my youth. In this story, in Mark, we find another faithful man. This man is given no name in the story, and the only defining feature about him that is recorded is that his hand is withered. So Jesus steps into the synagogue on the Jewish holy day called the Sabbath, and there he sees this man. Now, we don't know the man's name, we don't know why Jesus sees him on this Sabbath and not another, and we don't know why the man's hand was withered. All we know is that there was a man with a withered hand, and that Jesus took interest in him. Now, we also know that Jesus' interest in the man sparked the interest of the Pharisees, who wondered whether or not Jesus would break Sabbath tradition by healing the man. You see, this is the fifth of five stories in Mark from chapter 2, extending into 3, where Jesus has caused more than a little bit of trouble for the Pharisees and other leaders of that time. In the first episode, Jesus heals the paralytic that was coming through the roof. In the second, Jesus feasts with sinners. The third brings up this crazy notion of new wine and old wineskins. The fourth shows Jesus' disciples breaking Sabbath law by plucking and eating pieces of grain. And now, the fifth. Jesus' audacity to break Sabbath law again in the synagogue, no less. To heal a man whose life was not in danger. When we see the Pharisees looking to accuse Jesus in this story, we must also remember these four other stories as moments where Jesus completely upended their understandings of Jewish law and custom. The Pharisees weren't being hypocritical. They were concerned for the right interpretation of religious faith and practice, which did include, among other things, Sabbath observance. And yet, Jesus doesn't approach the Pharisees. His attention doesn't turn to them, not yet. He is focused on the man with the withered hand. And with that interest comes the invitation. Come here. Jesus extends a holy invitation to the man in the same way that Jesus will invite the man to extend his own hand. And this morning, I invite you to hear in that message to the man with the withered hand what we hear elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew. 
come here to me, you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the healing hadn't yet come, but still the man followed in obedience. Now, now Jesus turns to the Pharisees gathered together in the synagogue and asks them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Even as he invites the Pharisees to see God's presence in the world, God's new way of being in the world, the Pharisees are silent. You see, the Pharisees were taught that on the Sabbath, most day-to-day -day activities were to be set aside until the next day, and they didn't want to act unlawfully on their holy day. They wanted to keep it holy. Now, exceptions were made when lives were in jeopardy, but this man's life wasn't at risk. In the previous story, at the end of Mark chapter 2, in front of the Pharisees on a different Sabbath day, Jesus calls himself Lord of the Sabbath. He tells the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for humans and not humans for the Sabbath. But they couldn't understand. Even as Jesus looks on them with anger, fury, and sadness in his eyes and on his brow, they are unable to understand. Their hearts are hardened. Their ears don't let them hear and their minds do not understand this news, this good news that tells us that God's presence has been brought dangerously close to us, that our rules cannot contain God, and that the least of these will be brought up, even as the greatest among us are brought low. The Pharisees, they who rigged studied the prophets and the law for years. They who knew the ancient texts by heart were not able to understand the words of the Messiah because their hearts were hardened. And we know what happens next. Jesus tells the man with the withered hand to stretch out his hand, and the man does. His hand was restored. And that is the end of this man's story. The man's hand, which once was withered, is now withered no more. But that is not the end of the Pharisee's story. Immediately, they rush out of the temple on their holy day and hold counsel with the political leaders of that time so they might find a way to destroy Jesus, their Messiah although they didn't know it because their hearts were hardened. They sought to destroy the presence of God in the world, even though they didn't know it. There was a day in my youth, I don't remember exactly when or how old I was, when my dad put away those Bible memory verses in a utility drawer. You know, 
the one where you keep all the batteries and the receipts and the papers you might need at some point that you don't need now. You know, stuff, stick them away in this little drawer. Keep them safe. <laughs> um, but at some point, he put the verses in this drawer and he didn't take them back out again. He hadn't lost his faith or fallen away or anything like that. Um, it's just they took too long to go through. His work was busy, or maybe his daughters didn't like being rocked to sleep as much anymore. Life got in the way of this practice. You see, the Pharisees were taught to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. My dad was taught that. I was taught that too. My guess is, somewhere along the line, you were taught that, too. And Jesus' disciples were also taught that. And although they had a much more tangible experience of Christ than you or I, I mean, they saw Christ in the flesh. They witnessed his healing power time and time again. They saw him rebuke the wind and the waves until they were still. And yet, Mark's gospel tells us their hearts remained hardened. Even the 12 disciples, those who were supposed to be closest to Jesus, were unable to see him for who he is unable to see what God was bringing about. Today, dear family in Christ, the hard hearts of the Pharisees were no different from the hard hearts of Christ's own disciples. Today, I would invite you to see yourselves, yes, in the obedient man whose hand is withered no longer, and I would invite you to see yourselves in the place of the Pharisees with hard hearts, trying to dull, dim, and even destroy the presence of God in the world. But more than that, I invite you to see yourselves in Jesus' very own disciples, the disciples who fell asleep on, forsook, and disowned him, are the very same ones whom Christ loved and chose to follow him. These are the disciples whose hearts were eventually unhardened as they took up their crosses and proclaimed the good news that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and that God had brought about his presence in the world like never before. This message is not a message of condemnation, but rather an invitation to live more fully into the lives we are called as followers of Christ. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. This past spring, my dad sent a text in our family's group chat. Um, now, I have been entirely we moved out of my bedroom at my parents' house uh, for about three years now. Uh, and in fact, someone had been living in my old room. And now, 
that person moved out, and my parents are finally redecorating. I had painted my bedroom green, and I had placed my bed right in front of a set of bay windows that overlooked the driveway. From the picture my dad had sent, I could see that the room color was now a beautiful, calming blue, and an office desk had replaced my bed at the bay windows. The text read, getting my new office slowly in order. <laughs> On the desk, I saw an assortment of computers, mugs, and various other odds and ends. And in a little basket, on the right-hand side of his desk, I saw his Bible memory verses. Dear friends, your hands may be stretched out in obedience now, or perhaps your heart finds itself hardened amidst the upheaval and distress of this past year and a half. But here's the beautiful thing. In Christ, our hearts don't have to stay hardened. We can still stretch out our hands in obedience and love to the one who first loved us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And you can visit us at www dot thelordshipchurch.org, where you can find a link to make a donation towards our ministries. Thank you, and God bless. Amen.